I'm Euro. I'm Chris. And, and this, this is Fork Bomb. January 30th, 2017. Today's topic is uh, learning about the Amiga. So I uh, I know that probably our, uh, most of our listeners uh, know what an Amiga computer is. But uh, but I kind of wanted to introduce it to people uh, just in case they don't know about it. They were uh, popular computers in the 80s and 90s. Uh, they didn't really sell well here in America, but they did really great in Europe. Um, the name Amiga was chosen because they knew Spanish and because it, be- it came before Apple and Atari and is uh, user-friendly. So Apple and Atari from the... Uh, from the uh, in alphabetical order, so they would they would come first. Um, another interesting fact is it's the uh, the Amiga OS was the first OS with uh, multitasking support for consumers. Um, John C. Dvorak apparently had mentioned uh, uh, something to the um, so, something about the Amiga OS about it could all run within 256k of memory. Which is really impressive. Uh, now Windows takes lots and lots more memory than just that. So um, I believe the Amiga was well, ahead, well, wow, <laughs> well ahead of its time. Uh, I mean, the the first Amiga, which was the Amiga uh, 1000, was made in 1985, and uh, just just learning about it now and and seeing the graphics. And the sound that came out of that, I I couldn't believe it was something that came out in 1985. So <laughs> it, it was amazing. The, so part of the reason why it was so impressive is they were doing something that other computer manufacturers wouldn't be doing for quite some time, and that was offloading various tasks onto dedicated chipsets, a dedicated chipset for the graphics, a dedicated chipset for the sound, a dedicated... Um, chipset for certain kinds of uh, graphic um, uh, uh, graphical rendering and that resulted in a lot less load on the CPU and the end result well that combined with just brilliant engineering all around um, resulted in a computer that was light years ahead of even Mac OS back then and I wanted we, to point that out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And uh, we. I thought, wanted to point that out. Yeah. We thought that um, that Apple had a cult following. We thought that there were Windows fanboys. Um, we we thought that uh, that that the regular Commodore had a following. Holy crap! We thought wrong. This yeah. is by far the cult classic of all cult classics. This is the be all end all of. Hidden, of hidden gems in the computing industry. You thought Pirates of Silicon Valley was good. This needs a movie. Yeah. Why does this not this... have a movie? This is so much more interesting. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Chris. Uh, I mean, <laughs> holy crap. Just just learning about it, and I, I had fun. I hadn't even turned on the the... Yeah, the the Amiga. Uh, unfortunately, we had to use emulators since we don't have the, uh, the real deal, but... Um, but just learning about the, the the story, I hadn't even turned on the Amiga yet, and I already loved it. Oh yeah, uh, we should mention um, neither you or I have 
before this had any experience at all with this, with this machine whatsoever, except for knowing the name of it. Um, That's it. So the goal of it was to do as deep of a dive as we could into it, learn about it, play with it, um, and then share what we learned. And I, I'm definitely going to keep playing with this afterwards. Me so too. What was um? I guess we should start with favorite parts, maybe. Um, so favorite parts as far as the just the machine itself or anything. Uh, your your favorite part about this this whole experience. Actually, my favorite part was just learning the story. I felt like I was reading a book or something. A really good book. Um, but uh, yeah, but the system itself, uh, it, it's it's so impressive, especially for the year it came out. That I couldn't believe as I was as I was using it, I couldn't believe that this was made in 1985. No way, blew my mind. Um, and, and and when you when you think about it, the Amiga, the Amiga was using the Motorola 68000 chip. That CPU was used on a bunch of other systems, including the original Macintosh. When you use the original Macintosh compared to like an Amiga 1000 or an Amiga 500. The Amiga 500 just blows it away. I mean, what color graphics? Are you kidding? Yeah. The Mac was in black and white. <laughs> that alone. Yeah. The Mac was like using a newspaper compared to an iPad. Compared to a modern yes. day iPad. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, those. that is a valid comparison. Uh, the sound quality um, was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we had... Um, I guess the sound quality back then in 85 was on par with, I don't know... Maybe a little bit above uh, what Super Nintendo could do. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say it was all bleeps and bloops, but uh, it was close to bleeps and boops. So uh, this was—I know they had synthesized uh, what um, they had—they had synthesized sound, but uh, it was that was that was studio quality stuff, and this had it on the machine itself. Yeah, remember when when MIDI got good, like in the late '90s, when MIDI finally started sounding. Like sounded like the Amiga. <laughs> yeah, it it sounded like that in '85. Yes, yes. Um, another thing that blew me away was that uh, people didn't quite know what to do with it. It was so advanced. I've never even heard of this happening before. I, I mean, as far as like the, as far as computer history, and 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 uh, apparently the system was so advanced that people didn't really quite know what to do with it. Um, you know, they 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 didn't know. Uh, was, should they use this thing as a business machine? I mean, they didn't know. They didn't know, and so they ended up using it for games and uh, some 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 video uh, production and, and 3D. But yeah, most of the market was in a home market. It wasn't really in a enterprise market. On the topic of audio quality, I've actually prepared a little sound sample from the Amiga demo called Hardwired. So there we have a uh, lovely sound sample. Uh, keep in mind that was in 1985. Um, nothing else sounded like that in 1985.
No, nothing, definitely not for the home market. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, what was in 1985? We had the original NES. Uh, the Master System hadn't come out yet. Um, Atari. We had the Atari. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing for the home market anyway. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, very, very impressed by the graphics and sound. Absolutely. I, I, I see why they used it for video production and uh, 3D rendering. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't at all mention what it was actually used for. So, one of the interesting things that they used it for uh, that I learned was that... Uh, so, I'm a big fan of Babylon 5, the show, the uh, show that came out in the 90s. And they used the Amiga to render all the 3D scenes uh, in Seasons 1 and uh, and part of Season 2. That is really cool. Yeah. So some some awesome tidbit of information there for the Amiga. Um, so what else? Uh, I can go over... Well, I should probably let you... I, I should probably uh, uh, let everyone know how it works. So the Amiga has a, um, has a Kickstart ROM. Okay, or a ROM called Kickstart, and uh, basically what that does is it uh, it kind of starts up the uh, the rest of the operating system. So think of that as a uh, as a BIOS, okay, or as the uh, the, the Macs have uh, their firmware ROM too. So the Kickstart is their firmware ROM, and then Amiga boots into uh, there's an Amiga DOS, which is uh, the disk OS and the command line. And then uh, if you're loading Workbench, which is the GUI that goes on top of that of Amiga DOS, uh, then then you would you would um, well with my experience uh, using the uh, older systems, uh, you'd have the system disk, so the Workbench uh, 1.3 system disk, and that would load uh, the GUI with the uh, Windows pointing. I should mm -hmm. go ahead. I should point out that early on, uh, the OS and Workbench were the same thing. Um, later on. Um, they were separate entities where the underlying OS was called Amiga OS and the file manager or the shell was called Workbench. Good point, yeah. Yep. So I uh, I was using it uh, with the the emulated floppy disk and uh, and it would load up a Workbench uh, like 1.3 and uh, so it had, had icons, uh, the mouse pointer, uh, file manager, uh, you even had a, a clock, so uh, a lot of those tools were uh, part of Workbench. Uh, some interesting things about Workbench uh, is that you could use long file names in Workbench. Uh, you could include really? uh, blank spaces in your files, uh, in your file names, and you didn't necessarily have to have extensions for them to work. So I, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting too. That is really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, however, we've been absolutely gushing over its merits, but it certainly was not a utopia. Um, for example, uh, while it was a, a multitasking operating system, there was nothing to really segregate the memory that the multiple processes used. Um, there was no memory management unit, so one process could easily um, overwrite or corrupt the memory of some other process, which could lead to uh, really bad things. And the way that they got around it was just by basically telling the, telling the devs, 
don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, another thing too is that uh, the the original Mega, so Commodore had released the um, all the uh, the system manuals for the Amiga and had left it completely open uh, for uh, for devs, like completely open. Uh, nothing was locked, and so that uh, uh, since people were used to programming on the Commodore sixty four and they would uh, do a poke on memory, uh, that would that would lead to crashes. So sometimes uh, some programmers would be, uh, it could be a little sloppy on their work and uh, do some system calls that would, uh, that, that would, that would cause some, some, some crashing because of that uh, no uh, memory management unit on the early Amigas. Interesting. I heard that, uh, that memory management wasn't implemented until Amiga 4. But really, yeah, that was after Hyperion Entertainment bought them, wasn't it? Uh, let's see. Like, wasn't Commodore wasn't three X the last official? I don't, uh, I don't recall. But yeah, you you might be right. I I just I don't I don't know. Um, I know Commodore uh, closed in '94, and then Escom bought the rights to Amiga, and then that went down, and then Gateway was involved. So yeah, um, but I heard that uh, that yeah the um. That was uh, that was one of those things about memory management. Now, um, please correct me if I'm wrong. This is something that I read. Um, I obviously don't program. Uh, I don't program for Amiga, so I, I don't know. And uh, so it would be if somebody else can tell me otherwise, that's great. But I heard that it was uh, Amiga 4 that brought memory management into the OS uh, without using a third-party utility or anything like that. Hmm. Was not aware of that. I will have to confirm that later. Yeah. Actually, I'm on the Wikipedia article right now. Great. Um, another really impressive thing about the Amiga was its large color palette. So people would bring up pictures of uh, clowns um, and of ah. uh, different deviant art. Uh, go ahead. Uh, 4.0, the final update, released in December 2006, brought virtualized memory. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's what I read. The ability to use memory off the disk. That's probably what I read. Um, So I'm going to retract what I said about memory management until I actually find out. Uh, It does seem a little strange that it was uh, that that long, uh, that 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 it took that long. Uh, But still, even even then, though, uh, virtual man, how (laughs) virtual memory was was used in. Wow, early versions of Windows and okay. <laughs> I mean, DOS. But um, what's even more interesting is that it's still Amiga OS is still under active development. Very interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I was surprised to to see that. Uh, I believe it's a Amiga Four update five or six was made in December of 2016. I mean, we're in January. <laughs> That's impressive. Even though um, the, the latest version was Amiga 4.1 and was called Amiga 4.1 the final update, um, it does not mean it's going to be the final version. I was um, watching a video last night about it, and Hyperion Entertainment did file for bankruptcy recently. They are, however, restructuring and once that's done, they're going to continue development on it. 
That's fantastic. Oh, and, and not to mention the forks of the OS. Yes, Eros, for example. Morphos. Yes, Morphos. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Amiga-like systems. And um, it was it was really fun to be able to play with some of these forks. For example, you can play with, um, I don't know how it's pronounced, A-R-O-S, Eros, Eros. Mm-hmm. You you can play with that one in the Amiga Forever emulator, which um, thank you for introducing me to that. Um, Amiga Forever lets you run every Amiga system pretty much ever made. Uh, if you want to see the first Workbench, if you want to see Workbench 3.x, if you want a blank power PC system uh, that can run 4.1, it's all built in. and It, it even has a whole... Um, a whole game section, which you just select a game. It, it automatically brings up the appropriate system. No configuration. It's it's beautiful. And my, my favorite part, my absolute favorite part, is it has a whole section for Demos. demo scenes. Yes, they're Demos. amazing. Um, do you want to explain those or, or do you want me to? Uh, well, you, you have more experience with those demos. Uh, I watched a few of them, and uh, again, I was blown away by by just the the sheer awesomeness of these demos. Uh, they reminded me of uh, uh, like like early '90s music videos <laughs> with 3D with 3D renderings. Uh, amazing stuff. Uh, but go ahead, Chris. So it's officially called the demo scene, and what people that participate in demo scenes are groups of programmers, artists, and musicians that custom build multimedia demos in order to try to outdo each other. Basically saying, look what I can do. Oh yeah? Well, look what I can do. And this just goes back and forth for years. And it's still going on, even on the Amiga. And because there's just, there's a, a very limited set of hardware that they're focusing on being all the Amigas ever ever released, which wasn't that many, um, it really gives them the chance to just focus on a specific few systems and optimize it for those systems. And um, it, it's like you were saying, it's like early 90s music videos, only it's... Um, it's things that look and sound far beyond the capabilities of what you would think those machines can do. And that's because they're not written in a high-level language like C or C++. They're not written to be portable. Um, they're not written to run on other systems. They are written in assembly specifically for the hardware. Uh, they've pulled out all the stops Every hardware hack, every undocumented feature they can find, they use and exploit the hell out of it and use it to make the most awesome-looking, awesome-sounding, creative thing they can possibly make those machines do. Um, They're all on YouTube. Um, I highly suggest um, everyone look up Amiga demo scenes. They're incredible. They actually made me feel nostalgic for the 90s. They actually made me... Um, feel some of the ooh wow, this is amazing magic I felt when I first got into computing. Yeah, I, and those I moments agree. are becoming fewer and far between for me. <laughs> so I want to I want to uh, give it uh, a thank you to uh, the company. Now I'm gonna kill the name because I don't know how to pronounce this right, but it's uh, 
Cloanto, I believe, C-L-O-A-N-T-O, uh, for putting Amiga Forever together. Uh, I know it uses WinUAE, the WinUAE emulator in the background, um, but but just the way that Amiga Forever runs is uh, it makes it really really simple to run any Amiga program. So thank you, and uh, if anybody's interested, you can find Amiga Forever at amigaforever.com. So. We should also mention that um, the emulators are incredible. I mean, these are this this is software that is near perfectly emulating extremely custom built hardware. Um, it it always amazes me that people are able to pull those kinds of feats off. They have such intimate knowledge of these systems that they've reproduced every single chip in software and our computers are powerful enough today to to run them at full speed yeah yeah you can emulate uh, all the way into uh let's see amiga 4000 uh i i saw the amiga kit on there which was another company that built a that built an amiga like uh system so yeah yeah you could you could run a, a bunch of different types of amigas on there uh it's, it's really great um, I guess at this point, uh, I should probably let people know that there were several uh, Amiga models. Um, they uh, they range from they range from the uh, uh, Amiga 1000, which was the first one, and then you have the uh, Amiga 500, which is actually a value version, which was the very it was the most popular one uh, in Europe. It's very popular, the Amiga 500, uh, and then you have the Amiga 2000, the Amiga 3000. The Amiga 4000 and the 4000T, which I believe was a tower, and you could uh, put in expansion cards and whatnot. So several different Amigas. Uh, they were all made uh, until uh, well, 1994 when Commodore went bust. So sad, sad mm. day. Indeed, and it it's it's sad that it never took off more. Um, it seemed to be just a constant case of not in the right place at not the right time, changing hands, uh, and just yeah. the stars would not align for them. I, I mean, know. they had some moderate success in in Europe. They, they had their uh, niche markets, but um, they never made a dent in in the, the mainstream in the mainstream uh, computing environment. So it's it's definitely. Uh, I, I think we all missed out on uh, on that. So I, I really wish. Um, I wish Amiga had been a, a stronger player back then. Uh, I wish I would have had one when I was a kid, and um, and, and sadly I didn't. Um, uh, do you do you want to tell them about the bouncing ball demo? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I'll try. Um, so. The bouncing red and white checkered ball is very iconic of the Amiga. Um, it was it was the first demo that really got them noticed. Um, where was it that they displayed that? It was at CES, right? CES in January um, of '84. Yes, at an early CES, mm-hmm. uh, January '84, and they they cobbled together a breadboard prototype. This was before they even had it going on integrated circuits yes um and uh, like they they were pulling it down to the wire like pulling all-nighters um up until the very last minute 
and all that it was was just a red and white uh, pseudo 3D bouncing ball that would make um, funk noises every time it hit the side. But what was incredible about it back then was how large the ball was, how many pixels they were they were pushing around on the screen. And again, ahead of their time, no one else could do that. No one. Um, I believe the sound was even one of the foam bats they used to bludgeon each other at, th- <laughs> yes. at the office being whacked on something in a garage. They recorded that. Um, <laughs> and so if if you look up Amiga bouncing ball demo, um, it's it's very simple, just a little ball going thunk, 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 but that ball eventually became what they were known for. It became their 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 logo for a while. Um, that's the bouncing ball demo. Yeah, because the first logo was um, I don't know if it was the very first logo, but I know one of the first logos was a, like a check mark, and it was in a kind of rainbowish colors. The the check mark, and and then they uh, later on. I think this might have been past Commodore. That part I don't know, but they started using the bouncing ball. As the as their main logo, mm-hmm. hmm. Um, what else? So, uh, did you know that the IBM uh, that IBM licensed the GUI from Amiga and used it on OS two point Yeah, that's I did not know that. Yeah, that's how popular uh, Workbench was back then. Um, oh, uh, mm-hmm. one thing we didn't mention was the paradigm that Workbench used. It was uh, very different. Uh, we're used to. We're used to graphical interfaces that are modeled after the desktop, the physical desktop. We have we have a thing on our we have desk. We have papers and stuff like that. Um, what they modeled theirs after was I mean it's called workbench. They modeled it after a workbench. Instead of uh, files and folders, they had um, drawers and projects. So it was designed from the ground up really for being creative you you go to your workbench you create things that was the entire model for for the the uh, GUI for the Amiga yeah that was a, just a little bit confusing for me in the beginning because I was used to you know desktop and recycling bin and all these things but uh just um so uh, that that part was just a little confusing just kind of shifting to that but uh but hey it's it's fine. It's still part of the office, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, confusing, do you want to talk about um, the um, the mystery of how to install things? I still have not been able to install much of anything, uh, I, and I'm not I'm not talking about uh, just the OS overall. I'm talking about any any game. Now, um, I believe. Uh, I believe there was a there was a tool that allowed you to install some games. Um, WHD load, right? Uh, but but how did that work? Did that that allowed you to copy the files over to the hard drive, right? So these were games that uh, didn't have installers. Is that correct? Most of the games didn't have installers. They just ran off the floppy disks. Yes, and I I think that's just just kind of how it always was there um uh and and unfortunately this is one of my least favorite things about the amiga uh just because i had a number of floppy disks and disk drives die back then um so to to have your medium run off of floppy disks it's slow 
and uh, and it's fragile. So um, I can imagine many people getting their discs ruined. So I, I I mean I would have made backups right then immediately, just in case. I mean later Amigas did have hard drives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean we've seen uh, Amiga OS four point one with the hard drive just loaded full of full of applications. I, I I think we just need to do more research into how the applications are managed. For all we know, it's one of those kind of all-in-one packaging systems like OSX has. We just drop it into a system folder. But um, the the OS is just so foreign to us because we've we have no frame of reference for it. Right. Yeah, and and like I said, the first time I even tried to install a game, I didn't see an installer. Okay, no problem. So what do I do? I looked it up, and then uh, there's this guy on YouTube talking about uh, using that that program to grab specific files off the floppy disk, and you had to make sure there was only this file and not the other file because it had to deal with this version. And then you copied that over, and then you had to run another program. Oh, it was it was a lot. <laughs> so, uh, and again, these are for games that don't have installers. Uh, but I would rather install my games on the system rather than just run them off the floppy disks, uh, the floppy drive, uh, just because. Uh, also, it just it just takes forever to load. Um, so, I, and I'm spoiled with new machines nowadays; they're all quick. So it just uh, just. just sitting there waiting for the disc to load. It seemed like an eternity to me, but I'm sure this was quite normal back then. I do love that the emulators make the disc, the floppy disk noises. Yes, yes, that was great. The whirring and the clunking. And... Uh-huh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I really liked which actually it. Made, which actually made the wait more bearable because, I mean, you you still had to wait about as long as it would take for the, the uh, floppy to load because I... I don't know if they were intentionally slowing it down or if they were just so fully emulating the architecture that um, they even emulated the 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 limited uh, bandwidth that you have between a floppy drive and the uh, the uh, computer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And actually, that that reminds me. The first time that I used the emulator, I had my uh, my speakers turned off. And uh, and I was just waiting there for the game to load, and I'm like, what's what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned on the speaker. And then you turned and, it on. And you hear, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> <laughs> that that was great. That was really good. Um, yeah, that's uh, I um I don't know what else to say about the Amiga. Uh, really, really ahead of its time. The graphics and sound were amazing. I can't believe it was made in '85. Uh, the story behind it is epic. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, um, if, if anyone has an interest in retro computing or uh, obscure systems and hasn't researched it, they should. And if you don't research it anyways, because after that you will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, especially, I mean, if anything, it's just for the games. Uh, the games are amazing. I mean, uh, many of them were, uh, made for um, the PC, uh, and actually some of them are, are ports. The PCs are ports from the Amiga games, so that was that's pretty nice too. That you're playing the actual the original games. So, um, but yeah, yeah, high quality high quality games. I was playing uh, Alien Breed the other day, and uh, it was really fun playing Alien Breed. That and Batman. Those were my uh, 
two favorites uh, from from the list of games that I was playing. Uh, Gods is another one that I remember. Oh, um, I know something that we didn't mention. Um, the Amigas had the ability of oh, there's there's an actual term for it. Multi, ah, oh, jeez, multi gen, multi. Oh, I mean, I'll prepare for this. Um, it it means the ability to display or to to have multiple sounds playing at the same time and to have mm-hmm. videos and rendered text going multi at the same time. No. Um, Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll look it up later. Sure. But um, this ability, the 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 ability to do multiple audio streams and um, displaying of videos and rendering of text on top of that video um, is really was one of the largest things that set it apart, and that was how products like the Amiga Video Toaster came to be which was a back then heavily used um, video processing platform that used probably used that ability to its limit. Um, without it, the video toaster would not have existed. Right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot uh, about video toaster. That's right, one of the, one of the main programs. Um, you know what, another one of the programs that they, uh, that they had used uh, back then with the Amiga was uh, Lightwave. So Lightwave 3D. Um, yeah, yeah, a couple of other 3D rendering programs were used. Um, <laughs> There's just so many things that the Amiga was already light years ahead of everybody else. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate what happened, but, uh, you know, at least we can tell the story. Yep. But, I mean, just because it's it's the technical best doesn't mean it's going to be the most popular. I mean, look at Budweiser, King of Beers, that stuff tastes like garbage, but... Uh... It's the most popular beer. <laughs> Somebody's gonna write on the on the comments. I like Budweiser. <laughs> beer, Chris, and Euro. I think Budweiser's the That's best right. beer ever. You are un-American. You're a communist, <laughs> and you should go to Russia. They don't have Budweiser. <laughs> oh boy. Um. That's it. I don't. I don't know what else to say about the Amiga. Definitely check it out. Uh, I can't stress that enough. If you like retro computing, uh, it's it's. It's definitely something on the you you, you need to <laughs> absolutely same here um i've I've gushed as much as I can yeah so um well that's it uh that's all I have to say that's uh episode three um thank you for listening and we look forward to um the next episode. to our next podcast and whatever that will be hopefully it'll be as interesting as the amiga was. Yes. Oh, and I want to apologize. Uh, this is mostly my fault, and by mostly I mean entirely that uh, we're this late uh, in uh, in recording this podcast. Um, so yeah, I'll try not to not to let this happen again. You you had a great excuse. You were in Russia where they don't have Budweiser. Yes. Yeah. See. I mean, they probably have Budweiser. Do they have Budweiser? I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. See ya. Thanks, Hero. <laughs> Bye-bye.